0: Good morning. If you have a Bible, I invite you to open it up to the book of Colossians in the New Testament, um, chapter 3. I just went through one of those rituals that we go through periodically. I I had to renew my driver's license, and um, you know, it's a lot better than it used to be. I grew up in Southern California, and I remember taking trips to the Southern California DMV, and uh, Things have really improved. <laughs> so it, it was very convenient because I could do it online. So I just, I just logged in to the DOL website and had to answer a few questions, um, pay my fee, and that's it. They mailed me a new one. It's pretty great. The only downside, though, is that this is like the third or fourth time I've renewed that way by mail or online. And so you don't get a new picture. It's the same picture I've had now for quite a while. And my photo ID is resembling the real me less and less all the time, which has me a little concerned. I'm wondering if one of these days I'm going to you know, be wanting to get on an airplane or something. and they're going to check my photo ID and decide I must have stolen it from a much younger guy. <laughs> Because, you know, ID fraud is a big problem these days. You know, you've got uh, a lot of people who've had their identities stolen by thieves trying to get access to their bank accounts or their credit cards or whatever, and I I thought about that and it occurred to me that this, this thing of ID fraud would actually be a very helpful way to... Uh, think about our passage for today from Colossians. You know, one of the main lessons of this book is that if you are a believer in Jesus, if you have come to the place where you have become united with Christ personally by faith in Him, then this book teaches that as far as God is concerned, you have experienced A change in identity. You are no longer the same person that you were before you became connected to Jesus. Your old self is regarded as dead and buried, buried with Christ in his death. And you have a new self that has been raised with Christ in his resurrection. And this is a huge change, and this whole uh, idea of walking with Christ that we're working through here in this series, what that means is basically learning to live out this, this new identity every day in every part of our life as we, as we walk with Jesus, as we trust him to guide us and lead us every step of the way. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like we've become citizens of a new country. We've immigrated. We, we have uh, gone to a, a new place, a new homeland. We've become citizens. It's all official. It's all legal. It's all a done deal. The paperwork's all been done. But we still have to learn the language we still have to learn the culture we we have to learn the ways of our new homeland we have to we have to learn to live in the ways that are consistent with this new identity we have and that is the situation we're in if we're believers in Jesus we have become citizens of his kingdom and it's official it's real it's actually true And now we've got to learn to live according to the customs and the values of his kingdom. We've got to learn to live in ways that are consistent with this this new identity. It's big, and it's a challenge, and there's a danger. The danger is that at times we can forget who we really are. And we, we want to go back to living out our old identity or else embrace some other identity that's completely fraudulent. It's not us. It's not who we are. It's not who God says we are. And that's the issue we're, we're coming to here in Colossians 3, verses 5 through 14. So if you have your Bible open there, uh, there's a note sheet in your um, folder if you want to take some notes Let's read Colossians 3, follow along as I read here, beginning of verse 5, the Apostle Paul writes this. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these Put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Now you can see at the very beginning there in verse 5, you see the word therefore, and that's telling us that there is a connection uh, here with what has come before. And the previous verses talked about dying with Christ and being raised with Christ, and that that's all talking about this identity change that happens when we put our faith in Christ and you see that same idea continuing here it says in verse 9 you have put off the old self and then in verse 10 it says you have put on the new self in verse 12 says you are God's chosen ones holy and beloved now remember this is written to believers in Jesus so this change of identity is true for anyone who has become connected to Christ personally by faith. So this is not about what your parents believed or what you believed or what you, or yeah it is about what you believe but your parents, your grandparents, your friends, whoever. This is this is a personal thing. And if you have put your trust in Jesus personally, then this change of identity is true for you. Now, I'd guess you probably have a few different forms of ID. I'm guessing pretty much everybody, well, those who are 16 and above probably uh have a driver's license. Okay, many of you probably have a passport. You might have some kind of ID card that goes with your work, you know, when you're wearing a lanyard or you have to pin to your shirt or something. And I know that everybody in this room has a birth certificate. Okay, well, if you've put your faith in Jesus, you have still another form of ID. According to the Bible, it's on file in a collection called the Lamb's Book of Life. You read about it several occasions in the book of Revelation and some other places. The Book of Life. And this ID of yours, again, if you've put your trust in Christ, this ID documents not when you were born, but when you were born again. So you can call it your spiritual ID. And I want to tell you a little bit about it. In the first place, this ID outranks every other form of ID you have. You know, if, if a discrepancy ever comes up between your driver's license and your birth certificate, like, like how old you really are, like your date of birth, if, if your driver's license says one thing and your birth certificate says something else, the birth certificate wins. Okay, it prevails. Or let's say you have a bumper sticker on your car that says Native Washingtonian, but on your birth certificate it says you were born in North Dakota, well, then you need to peel off the bumper sticker because it's been outranked. Okay, your spiritual ID outranks every other form of ID you have. It has the highest authority because it was issued by the highest authority. There is a sense in which that ID has been signed in blood by the Lord Jesus himself. Which means this, if there is ever a dispute about who you really are, because of what somebody says about you, because of what you think about yourself or say about yourself, if there's ever a question about who you really are, Your spiritual ID overrules everything else. The ID that Jesus has given you always wins. Always. What he says about your identity is final. Now, my driver's license says I was born in 1960. Yes, that does sound like a long time ago. It says I'm six foot five. And it says I have blue eyes. But you know what it says on my spiritual ID card? It's way more significant. And if you've put your trust in Jesus, then what it says on my spiritual ID card, it also says on yours. And according to verse 12, here's what it says Chosen, holy, and beloved. And nothing can ever change that. Now, to help you feel that, the significance of that, let's take those one at a time. First, it says chosen. God chose you. You are chosen by God. Ephesians 1.4 says that He, God, chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Now, I know that this idea of God choosing us can just cause troubling thoughts sometimes. Uh, People get a little concerned because they think, well, if God chose people, then that means uh, it leaves us wondering what, what choices we have. Okay, I just want to encourage you for a minute. If that's where your mind tends to go, if you want to immediately start asking all kinds of questions about it, can I just encourage you not to go there for a minute? And instead, can I encourage you just to realize how awesome it is that God chose you? He chose you. He didn't have to do that. He did not have to do that. Nobody made him. You know what that means? It means he wanted you. He wanted you. It's like you were in the orphanage of unwanted children. Just another face. Nobody cared. Nobody wanted you. And then God in the person of Jesus Christ shows up and says, I want that one. I want him. I want her in my family. And so he brought you in. You are chosen by God. It says that right on your ID. It also says you are set apart by God. Set apart. Now that's what the word holy means. It means that God regards you as belonging to him, as his special possession. Okay? And this takes that idea of chosen and and ramps it up. It means that God chose you, and he chose you for a really good purpose. He has good things in mind for you. You're not just another name on a list. You know, as if, uh, what's, where's that book of life? Let me see, Who, who is that again? No! Set apart. He knows you by name. Uh, You're not just a face in the crowd. You have a unique place in his good plan. You really matter to him. He set you apart for himself. And then, third, (laughs) you are loved by God. Chosen, set apart, loved by God. Says that right on your ID. Now, this one, I, I suppose this is one of the most common things you'll ever hear in Christian circles. You know, God loves you. God loves you. How many times have we heard that? You hear that all the time. God loves you. You know, there, there are probably few truths in the Bible that are as well known as this one. So you've probably heard it. And what I wonder is, how deeply do you really believe it? How deeply do you really believe that God actually, genuinely, truly loves you? More than once, I have thought that if I really believed this as deeply as God means it, I would never worry about anything ever again if I really believe that God loves me the way he does. See, like me, you may know that the Bible teaches this. You may know that. You you might even be able to quote the verses. How deeply, though, does that truth go in you? How deeply does it go? See, it's getting this truth, not just that, that I'm loved by God, but that I'm... I'm set apart by God, I'm chosen by God. It's getting that truth deep down into your soul so that you actually feel it, so that you actually live that out day after day. That's what this is talking about. You, you've got to know this, you've got to believe this, you've got to learn to live this out in order to protect yourself from spiritual ID fraud, anything that would keep you from living this way. But now here's the really interesting thing about spiritual ID fraud. When it comes to any other kind of ID fraud, basically what you've got is someone out there who's trying to steal your ID, trying to defraud you, trying to misuse your ID, okay? Unlike with those kinds of ID fraud, when it comes to spiritual ID fraud, the person who is most likely to commit fraud with your spiritual identity is you. It's you. Yes, there will be times when other people say things about you that aren't true. Yes, there will always be those who will treat you as someone other than you really are. But you are the one who makes the choice about which identity you're going to truly embrace, which identity you're going to live. You decide if you're going to live in a way that matches up with who God says you really are. You decide. See, that's the whole point of the rest of what's written here. When it talks about putting to death certain things and putting away certain things and putting on certain things... Those actions are all choices. Those are choices. You need to choose to live out the identity Jesus has given you. Now, as we saw last time, in the first four verses of the chapter, this living out this identity begins with how we think, thinking Christianly. But now, you know, thinking Christianly is not enough. That's not what being a Christian is. It doesn't mean just sitting around thinking Christian thoughts. We have to go on to living Christianly, actually uh, embracing an everyday lifestyle that's consistent with your true identity, living out a lifestyle that's consistent with being a child of God who is chosen, set apart, and loved by him. Now, what does that look like? What What does a lifestyle like that look like? Well, you can sum it up with one phrase from verse 14. The way you protect yourself from spiritual ID fraud, the way to live consistent with your identity, and to not misuse it, is to do this, to put on love. Verse 14, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. That's it. That's living it out. It's choosing to live a lifestyle of consistent love. That's how you embrace and put on and live out the identity that Jesus has given you. Right? So you got that? Just love. What's the problem with that? <laughs> what does that mean? What does that mean? I mean, love is such a huge word. And it's so so uh, flexible. In I mean, we live in a world where you can love your family, love pizza, and love the Seattle Seahawks. As if those are like the same. They're not. Okay, those are very different things. What, this word of love, I mean, it, we, we can easily get confused by this. We can misunderstand it. So what we need to do is we need to let God instruct us what real love really is what does this mean put on love well if we base our definition of the bible we can define love as this okay this is kind of my go-to definition from scripture love is a heartfelt commitment to someone else's best interests a heartfelt a genuine commitment to someone else's best interests that's what love is biblically Okay, but, you know, we can still get confused. Why? Because we don't always know what's in everybody's best interests. And there's a lot of that going on in our world today. People think they're doing the loving thing, but it's really not necessarily in that person's best interests. And if what's in somebody else's best interests conflicts with what we think's in our best interests, then we start having problems. So, graciously... God, in his word, does a lot of explaining about what love really involves. And that's what we see here. And we're told that love involves putting some things to death, putting away some things, and putting on some things. All right, we're going to look at these. This is what love really involves. Number one. Love involves putting to death or killing behaviors and attitudes that exploit people for selfish pleasures. Love does. Love does this. Love kills behaviors and attitudes that exploit people for selfish pleasures. Verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. These are all various ways or desires of seeking satisfaction outside of God's good design. We we sang about that. God's good design for people, for humanity. So, for example, when it comes to sexual satisfaction, God's design is that it be pursued within this protective commitment of the one-man-one-woman relationship, the one-man-one-woman union of marriage. Outside of that good design to pursue Sexual satisfaction is to do damage to ourselves, to do damage to others, and therefore, by definition, it is not loving. So exploiting people for selfish satisfaction, that's contrary to our identity. That's contrary to our identity. And you notice the way we're supposed to deal with these kinds of behaviors, these kinds of desires. You notice it doesn't say manage them. It doesn't say control them. What's it say? Kill them! Put them to death! So if in your life you are engaged in an unloving pursuit of pleasure that's inherently selfish and unloving because it's outside of God's design, or you're entertaining the thought of doing so, Kill it. Kill it. Don't make peace with it. Don't tolerate it. Don't ignore it. It has to die. Don't kid yourself that it's not that bad. Look at verse 6. It says, on account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. I am so tired of reading people saying, you know, this, that, and the other thing on blogs and everywhere else, that something like pornography is not that bad. Don't kid yourself. Misusing people. That's what we're talking about. Misusing people for selfish gratification, whether you're doing it in person or whether you're doing it With photographs or whether you're doing it with video, you're misusing people for selfish gratification that is unloving, it is hurtful, and God hates it. He hates it. You can't live out the identity that Jesus has given you and be mired in this stuff. It's got to die. It's got to die. Second, so love does that. It kills behaviors and attitudes that exploit people for selfish pleasure. It also involves putting off behaviors and attitudes that demean people. Putting off behaviors and attitudes that demean people. Now, what's that mean, to demean someone? It means to ridicule them. It means to put them down. It means to make fun of them. It means to treat them disrespectfully. That's demeaning. And when we do that, we are ignoring one of the core truths of the Bible, which is that humanity, all of us, we are created and we bear the image of God. Look at James 3.9. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who've been made in God's likeness. And that's what these behaviors in verse 8 all have in common. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. It's demeaning people. It's, it's, uh, it's putting them down. It's disrespecting them. And that is completely inconsistent with your spiritual ID if you're a child of God. And notice it says, put them all away. Or better yet, the picture here is put off. It's, it's a word used to describe taking off a garment. Okay? Taking off something you're wearing. And the idea is to take it off because it's just so disgusting. You can't stand to wear it one moment longer. It's gross. I remember one, one day I was playing in my backyard as a kid and I was practicing sliding. You know, like you do in baseball, slide into base. So I'm in the backyard and I'm running across the grass and I slide and it was beautiful. It was a wonderful slide. Until I discovered that my dog had used that same exact spot oh. as a toilet. And I had doggy-doo all over me. I just about came unglued, and I had those clothes off probably in under 15 seconds. Just, yeah. Right? See? That should be our mentality. That should be our practice with these kinds of hurtful, demeaning behaviors. They're gross. They're completely unfitting for a child of God to wear. Completely unfitting. All right, then on the other hand, we come to the third thing here love involves, and that is putting on behaviors and attitudes that benefit people. So instead of exploiting them for gratification, instead of demeaning them and hurting them, do what benefits them. What helps them? What blesses them? What does good to them? However you want to say it. So verse 12, Put on compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. That is, putting up with one another. And forgiving each other. Look at this. As the Lord has forgiven you. You see the reference to your identity? As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. In other words, live a life of love because of who you really are. Because of who Jesus says you are. Well, there's a lot more that could be said about these things. I mean, you'll notice I didn't really take the time to look at each individual word and really uh, explain what it means because I just don't have the time today. But here's what I want to recommend I want to encourage you to study them. You can do that, look these words up in a dictionary. Many of you in the back of your Bible you'll find a thing called a concordance or you can go online. They have all these online study tools that are pretty amazing. You can look those words up. You can look where they occur elsewhere in the Bible and you can pray that God will help you understand these attitudes, these behaviors to avoid and these other attitudes and behaviors to pursue so that we can understand what putting on love really involves what it really looks like see that's how that's how to live out our true identity that's how to avoid spiritual id fraud so the next time you get an invitation to live in a way that's inconsistent with your true identity you can say no no i'm not i'm not going to do that fraudulent thing i want to live out the identity jesus has given me Let's pray together. Father, it is it is so amazing what you say about us in Christ. It is so amazing what you've done for us. And, um, <coughs> Lord, I, I confess I am prone to... Uh, at times, live like I don't really believe it. Because, Lord, there are times when I don't feel chosen, and I don't feel holy, and I don't feel loved. But, Lord, you are calling me and every one of my brothers and sisters in Christ to say, you know, how I'm feeling isn't the issue. The issue is what does God say? And what you say about us is so amazing. Lord, will you help us believe it? Will you help us feel it deeply? Will you help us live it out? We pray in Jesus' name, amen.